This is a library podcast. I am Troy. And I'm Tish. And today we're going to talk about themes related to our one book program. We're joined by Suzanne Nasser and Sharon Brennan from Counseling and Career Development Center. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. And our one book program this year focuses on We Believe You, a book um, about campus sexual assault. And we thought we sh- it would be important for us to talk about um, the services that Moraine Valley offers to victims of sexual assault. Here at Moraine Valley, we have uh, seven full-time counselors and six part-time counselors for a student body of about 15,000. The counselors are um, all master level clinicians and some of them are also licensed clinicians. I think just about all of these counselors, save for maybe five of them, are trained. Uh, There are specific trainings uh, for individuals who are interested in working with survivors of sexual assault and domestic violence, and uh, more than half of our counselors are specifically trained um, to work with these populations. I'm the confidential advisor on campus, and I also chair the Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault Awareness Committee. And I work with a fabulous team, which of course includes Sharon, who's here with us today, and my other colleague, Amal. And we work together to put on some programming for our students, and not just during the awareness month, so not just in October when it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and not just in April when it's Sexual Assault Awareness Month, but really all year round um, to promote a sense of safety here on campus and to let our students know that we don't tolerate violence in any of its form um, at our institution. We also partner with our local domestic violence and sexual assault social service agency called Pillars. And they are available to meet with our counselors as well. They're willing to come here on campus if we need them to, but mostly we utilize them if our students are interested in accessing court advocacy, whether they want to secure an order of protection or move forward with um, an investigation through uh, the courthouse here, so outside of campus. They have court advocates that are uh, willing and available to meet with them at our local courthouse. And Pillars also has what's called medical medical advocacy. So if a student chooses, needs to, or wants to go to the hospital, then the medical advocates um, at Pillars are uh, ready to meet with them there. We have a pretty solid Title IX um, policy that informs our students of their rights if they are victims of sexual assault. And um, the policy also gives them information on where they can turn to for support here on campus. The policy outlines the process of reporting and what an investigation looks like. Our students, of course, have access to our Title IX coordinator, Dr. Joanne Jenkins, who handles all Title IX cases, and they also have access to our Code of Conduct office. So it's really important that um, as faculty and staff and administrators that we arm ourselves with the resources on campus because students aren't just coming to the counseling center to report or to confide um, if they are a survivor of domestic violence or sexual assault. They are telling our faculty. They're writing about it in their papers. Um, so we all have to be prepared in uh, what, we, what we should do with these disclosures and how we can support these students. And what are some of the common reactions to sexual assault you see in victims? Yeah, I think this is really important for us to, to think about and to be talking about today. I think there's this expectation, at least for some people, of how a survivor should be after an assault. 
it's like we have this image in our minds of how they should react to the violation. And if the image we hold in our heads of how they should respond doesn't really fit with what we're seeing from the survivor, it may create this sense of doubt or disbelief. In reality, um, it's a survivor's response to their assault could be just as unique as they are. I've seen students who come um, right after an assault to talk about it and process what happened to them. I've seen some who have waited weeks, months, or years to tell their story. I think there's this notion that people have, uh, that people that have been sexually assaulted, excuse me, will be hysterical or will be crying, when in fact everyone, again, responds differently to trauma. And we really, really need to remember that and hold on to that. Um, in our offices, we have worked with survivors who may laugh, some who come to us who are still in shock and disbelief, some are afraid, some may cry, and um, others will not show any emotions. And so it's important that we do not judge these individuals um, or make any assumptions about them based on their reaction. I think one of the most important things for us to keep in mind when supporting survivors, whether we are their friend, a family member, a professional counselor, or advocate is to be still. And what I mean by that is we have to be able to sit with them and their range of emotions and be their constant by giving them the time and the support that they need to heal. What do you feel are some of the biggest barriers individuals face in trying to deal with their assault? Um, you know, unfortunately, there are quite a lot of barriers in dealing with sexual assault. Uh, one of the really big ones that's really present everywhere is rape culture. It's important to keep in mind that the reasons why domestic violence and sexual assaults are maintained is because of, because of excuse me, societal and cultural attitudes, institutions and laws which are not consistent in naming this violence as wrong. And, you know, if we turn on different movies and different TV shows and listen, listen to different music, even just listen to casual conversation individuals are having as we're passing them by, we can hear its presence. Another barrier is victim blaming. Um, when we blame the victim, when we somehow put blame on the person who is the person that experienced and had to survive the violence victim blaming, it doesn't create an environment of safety for victims. So if they're thinking about or making, thinking about making a report or they're actually following through with making a report of sexual assault, um, if they're trying to access services, they experience victim blaming, people questioning, um, well, where were they? Why were they out so late? What were they wearing? Um, did they say no? You know, when we, when we put those things on somebody, that's victim blaming, and that's certainly a barrier. Um, in addition, it doesn't hold the perpetrators accountable. It doesn't give survivors the support that they need, and it doesn't give survivors the support that they deserve. From a college campus perspective, we know that another barrier has been the manner in which reports of sexual assault were and were not attended to, um, which is well documented in the film The Hunting Ground. Um, survivors struggle with reporting to campus police or the municipality in which the assault took place because of the fear that the confidentiality will not be protected, um, fear that they you know, will have to come face to face with the perpetrator. Um, and on college campuses, reporting an assault to the police or the college administrators can come with a risk of, a, of socially being isolated. For example, if the perpetrator is part of a victim social circle, um, if the perpetrator is a highly regarded student, popular student, or well-known athlete, the victim may lose friends, um, may not be allowed to participate in organizations and clubs 
uh, may not be allowed to attend things and feel safe and have fun, and it changes their entire experience. Um, I think it's important to mention, right, that the systems in place to protect and support survivors have gone through a huge overhaul in the past few years, and colleges are trying to do a better job of handling reports of sexual assault. You know, here at Moraine Valley, we're certainly making it a priority to be sure to create an environment um, of safety for students, faculty, and staff, and to work to raise awareness about sexual assault. And finally, can you tell us a little bit about the It's On Us program? So the It's On Us campaign was launched by former President Barack Obama, and it's basically an awareness campaign to help put an end to sexual assault on college campuses. The campaign's intention is to engage students and really all members of the campus community in preventing sexual assault. It calls on us to openly talk about it, um, examine the ways we can shift the narrative, which is partly what we're doing here today with these podcasts, and to actively look at ways that we can prevent it from happening in the first place. We are super excited because the Counseling Center a number of years ago um, adopted this national campaign, and um, we're actively engaging with our students in and out of the classroom setting all year long. Our goal is to provide students with critical information on sexual assault um, and the steps they can take, big or small, to prevent it. Uh, some of the ways that we do this is we intentionally ask instructors to invite us into the classroom so that we can um, do workshops and facilitate conversations about what sexual assault and domestic violence is, um, the steps that students can take to be an upstander, and um, again, how to shift the narrative when we think about these two um, sensitive topics. Thank you so much for your work on this issue and for sharing with us some of your expertise. Um, again, really looking forward to having this conversation continue in the fall and learning more with you. We want to invite our students, staff, and faculty to join us this fall. Visit our One Book website, and that's onebook.morainevalley.edu, for a full schedule of events and program themes. Thank you.